Hello and welcome to Soaring to New Heights. This is your one-stop shop for all things women's footy in the brown and gold. My name is Tim and we're joined by co-host Liam. Liam, how are you going this morning? Going very well, Tim. How are you? Second time recording with you in about nine hours. Always a pleasure. Yes, that's right. Now going very, very well. There's a lot to talk about this morning, be it AFLW news that's coming up, be it the Box Hill VFLW team and all sorts of information that's come to light over the last week or so since we did our last recording. So let's start off with our news, Liam. So in terms of our news, our list is complete with Casey Dumont signing. Now, this is an interesting one. When I was at Box Hill City Oval, when they had the double header a couple of weeks ago when Hawthorne played against Collingwood, I was having a chat to Keegan Brooksby and I, I asked, is there going to be a 30th person on the list? And he was very coy in terms of his responses and we know why. Yeah, um, there have been rumours swirling for about a week or so. I think Riley Beveridge was the first one to break the story a couple of weeks before it happened. Um, but yeah, so she give you a little background on to, to and to listeners who don't know much about her. Perhaps she's thirty one. She's a goalkeeper who's got three Matildas caps. An Olympian played for the Melbourne Victory in the A League Women this season. Um, she'll be still playing both sports as much as possible. So I think that's an important thing to mention. Um, she's a rookie signing for the purposes of TPP and all that. Um, she's also our tallest player. Yeah. And so with Lucy Wales being 184 and we've got a couple of other 183. So I think we're going to have that backup ruck, Tim, that we've been yearning for for a long time and one who brings such maturity and intelligence as well as standards. Not a bad one to get. Absolutely. As you said, she's coming across as a rookie for the TPP reasons, but I think she's going to be quite an asset for the team. You think about the maturity she brings across the professionalism. I mean, she's played three games of international women's football. She's been playing for the Melbourne Victory in terms of the A-League women's, and she was just involved in the final series there. So if we believe that Hawthorne's able to continue their growth and sort new heights this season, as one of our co-hosts believes they're a good chance of knocking down the door of the eight, her type of experience comes in handy, especially when it comes to finals, because she's been there and done that before, uh, be it either in... Australian women's soccer or playing for the Australian women's soccer team. Yeah, again, I think one of the I think one of her biggest things will be driving standards, driving professionalism uh, on the field as well. I've watched a bit of her playing. She's really good at catching crosses. She's probably going to have some good hands when she comes when she adapts the oval ball. I think she's a really valuable pickup, and I'm actually quite excited to see her, even though she's never played Australian rules football before. So that's right. I mean, she made her head on your McDonald, and she impressed her. That's true. I remember hearing Casey speaking the other day and she said her partner has gone out and bought her a book about Aussie rules football so that she can learn some of the intricacies, which is, on social media. which is an amazing story in itself. Uh, there's been some updates in terms of the preseason when it begins. And according to my watch lamb, it's going to begin in 27 days. Uh, yeah, time of recording. Recording this very early on the 2nd of May. It starts on Monday, the 29th of May. So... Less than a month until the crew gets down to business. And that's not the only start date we have, though, Timmy. No, no. We have a start date in terms of when the season begins, which is wonderful. So the season has been penciled in to begin the first weekend of September, which you wouldn't believe it, Liam, seems to fit with the AFL pre-finals buy-round. Yeah, almost like we've known about that for a while and it's just been waiting official confirmation. So I'm... 
I think Daniel Cherney, when I recorded with him nearly three months ago, flagged it, that that would be the start date, at least for this season. I think we all saw it coming. Um, the season length is still TBA. My guess, and this is only my guess, is that it will still be 10 rounds based on something we're about to discuss. And even though it could be elongated, the fact that also right now, a 10 round season with a, with the four week finals, that will put a grand final on the weekend of five, six December. Like that's, that's starting to push in terms of when they want to be playing finals. Absolutely. Mind you, if Hawthorne's playing on Christmas day, Liam, and we win the, AFLW Premiership, I don't think any Hawthorne supporters would be too upset with that. If Hawthorne's play on Christmas Day and winning a Premiership, this podcast might get interesting. Santa Claus is certainly delivered if that's the case. And we've also had some updates in terms of the CBA. Now, this is credit to Marty Vanell for this report, but some very interesting information that came to light. Yeah, you say interesting I think our message chat between the two of us described it as more insulting, derisory, disgraceful, and disgusting. Um, they were offered a nine-year CBA, which in isolation, nine years makes sense because it lines up with the end of the new television deal. However, that CBA proposed a 10-round season that did not change at any point during that CBA. Uh, it also included things like trade ability to trade players without consent and all that. And to me, it was just... like I, I read Marnie's article took a screenshot of that little part about the um the 10 round season remaining for nine years and sent it to her like is this actually serious uh she responded saying uh, yes so i was just like okay that, like there's a diff you make in commercial transactions you make a low first offer you don't make a first offer that's a plain insult yeah it seemed to come across very very insulting in terms of the the way that it had been he looked at because, you know, as you said, nine years takes us to the end of the next TV deal. But you would think if you're going to offer the nine-year deal, you're adding in every few years, there's going to be an increase in terms of games or something like that. Because the whole idea is you want to continue to grow the AFLW product. If they do not continue to grow the AFLW product, it will fall behind the A-League women's, it will fall behind the NRL women's program. And all of a sudden, something that could be absolutely amazing in terms of drawing the hearts and minds of not only supporters of AFL clubs, not only supporters of you know A-League women's, but also children. Because, yeah. you know, I can tell you when Hawthorne plays five away games and, you know, some of those are interstate, it means that my two little ones, Evie and Penny, don't get the opportunity to actually be there to see their heroes live. So I think something where you've, you're keeping it to just 10 games. Seems absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. They, and... they, added, they added an extra round for gather round. Yeah. Like that. Click of the finger, they added one in. They're going to stay over nine years. They can't add in more games. Like, it just seems ludicrous. Yeah, I think, um, look, our views have been discussed, like, on the show and on the socials in the past. But, yeah, it's, again, that offer was that offer was completely derisory. And I simply just do better AFL at the end of the day you have the money you have the resources that new TV deal is extremely lucrative your biggest untapped market realistically is people who want to watch the AFLW grow it that's your biggest untapped market commercially um that I, I don't want to talk about that CBA often much more I've talked about we've talked about it a bit on the socials and on this but it's it was one of the most insulting offers I've ever seen and it seems like AFL once again in self-inflicted sabotage mode when it comes to the AFLW. 
Well, there was a new CEO announced yesterday, so hopefully Andrew Dillon, who comes in and takes over from Gil McLaughlin, has a bit more understanding, a bit more of a thought process in terms of continuing to grow the AFLW product because, as you said, Liam, there's a wonderful product there with an untapped audience that we can just hook straight into. Yeah, and he said he wants to focus on growing the AFLW. Great words. Now time for action, Andrew. Absolutely. We'll now move on to our VFLW check-in. So the Box Hill Hawks currently sitting at three wins, one draw, and two losses. So out of the six games, they are sitting with majority wins, which is quite nice. Sitting fifth on the ladder, six points off top spot, two points clear in terms of the top six, and that's very, very important because the top six is what takes us through to the finals. Now, Liam, at one stage there, they were sitting very, very pretty at the top of the ladder. Uh, yeah, but such is the congested nature of the VFLW that um you're going to face challenges. It's a tight fixture. It's a short season. Teams are in a logjam with each other. And yeah, like a couple of losses and down you go. Like we lost to Port Melbourne and to Collingwood in consecutive weeks. We got back on the winner's list with a thumping win over Casey last week, which I think we'll talk about a little bit in a sec. But, yeah, it was... Box Hill looked really strong. The only time I'd say we were thoroughly outplayed was against Port Melbourne, who were just killing us in transition. And I actually... I wrote a Talking Hawks... I wrote a part of a Talking Hawks piece for the first on the first five rounds. Like, obviously, the one Thaggy game happened after that piece was published. But... So, if you want to go find that, it's on the Talking Hawks website. Just the erratic few sentences on each game, but they've yeah they sat on top. Things are long still on top now, but it's a it's a very even competition in the VFLW. There's a lot of there's no real standout teams in terms of success. There's one standout team in terms of not doing very well, who we actually play this week. We play Darabin, who unfortunately in their club has done so much for growing women's sports. It's a real shame to see them where they are at the moment, but we play them this week, Saturday ten thirty a.m. But, yeah, so the crew have looked great. They still work through, obviously. AFLW players have been in and out. VFLW players are there. And, yeah, I'm not sure what your thoughts are, Timmy, but the, I'm really loving watching them. Yeah, Sherry certainly got the, the crew down there looking incredibly impressive. From speaking to some of the AFLW players who were there during the, uh, the doubleheader down at Box Hill City Oval, they were just talking about the alignment and how wonderful that alignment is between the AFLW club and also the VFLW club and how Sherry's got them playing the same type of game plan that we're hoping to be able to execute and pull off uh, when we see the season starting in September, which is wonderful. So lots and lots of positives that are happening. We've seen a few positional changes, which have been quite interesting. We've got the, uh, the likes of Tamara Smith, who's been playing as a forward, bringing that tackle pressure to the forward line, though I think it was against... Port Melbourne in the Port Melbourne game where I think she had about 14 tackles inside the forward 50. Yeah, she's been relentless. Like, she's one of the... There's a few AFLW players who've impressed me a lot. We'll talk about them in a sec. But, um, yeah, she's been playing forward a lot, one of the big positional changes. And I like seeing that because with Emily Bates coming in, you know, with Bridge Deed, with Lou Stevenson, like, the midfield is going to be congested and there's a finite number of spots in there. So it's good seeing Tamara Smith work on her ability to play in other positions. I think a lot of our midfielders need to do it. Frankly, you need that versatility in the midfield. One, so you can rotate them through and have a high 
high pace midfield and two, so she can offer her skill set elsewhere. And in the forward line is where I think she's really valuable. Uh, another position, couple of players who have really impressed me and played other positions as well, Emily Everest. She's played a fair bit on the wing. She's started to move back more to defense now and starting to show us, hey, I'm actually a really, really, really good one-on-one defender. Who knew? Um, everyone who's watched her, but... Yeah, excellent one-on-one defender. It's been great seeing her up on the wing, though, because we know that when she went through the draft combine, that she had one of the best uh, time trials that was recorded. Yeah. You can see her when you, when you watch her play as well. She can really move, which is handy. And then even you know Laura Elliott and Sophie Locke have pinched it in the middle a bit. Laura Elliott played pretty much exclusively midfield last weekend in one thing and was really impressive. Sophie Locke rotated through the midfield as well, as well as just being her very efficient self in the forward line. But then there's one other player who hasn't really had a positional change per se, but I need to mention it because I think she's been close to the most impressive player of the AFLW crew in the VFLW, and that's Janet Baird. She has been mainly forward, though rotated through the middle a bit as well on the wing. She's been exceptional pretty much every game I've watched her. She's quick, she's clever, she finds the football. She applies terrific pressure in the forward line. And then there was one game, it was the Southern Saints game. And she was a wing, often functioning as an extra forward when we had the wind. The ball wasn't getting past her. She was Her defensive positioning was extraordinary. So we didn't get to see much of Janet last season due to a pre-season injury that I don't think she ever quite overcame. Watch out for her this season. I'll say that right now. Yeah, absolutely. And it's always tricky with those pre-season injuries because as we know, with only 30 players in the squad, uh, if they're not selected to play for the weekend, they end up usually playing sort of little scratch matches where they band together two or three other teams uh, to be able to do that. So it means they're not actually able to showcase uh, what they've got and also the game plan as well, which makes it really tricky. So any of those pre-season injuries certainly make it really difficult yeah, JB has been probably to me across a sample across the full sample size, probably the most impressive player. Sherp has been great. You know, Sophie Locke's been outstanding as well. But in terms of consistency across a number of games, Janet Baird's been excellent. Certainly correct. And then the uh, the VFLW crew have also been incredibly strong as well, Liam. So we've got the likes of, say, your Geordie Mid uh, Mifsids in the midfield, your Grace McRae's playing through the midfield. Jess Trend uh, against Port Melbourne was best on yep. ground for, for the Easily. Box Hill. Easily for me, yep. Which was uh, wonderful seeing Trendy coming back because Trendy has had experience at the AFLW level where she played for Fremantle, but also had some knee injuries played and knee North. troubles. Oh, North, sorry, sorry, North. I think she was meant to be on Fremantle's list and I think she did her knee. Could be I, think, I think that might be correct, yeah. I know she played for, I know she played yep. for North Melbourne. So she, you know, she's been on the uh, a few AFLW lists, which has been wonderful. So having that experience in terms of the VFLW crew there has been great. Ms. Kendall as well. Uh, Ms. has been doing a tremendous job as that dynamic forward. and Probably our of... most impactful per possession player. Yes, yes, absolutely. And Ms. is part of that leadership group that Nicole uh, is leading at the moment. You've got Nadia Von Bateau down back who literally is like the uh, impassable rock. Nothing gets past her. If you've seen our social media and listened to me once or twice before, you know exactly what I think of Nadia Von 
Matty Boyd playing that forward ruck and uh, doing a wonderful job there. And then one of Liam's personal favourites, and it's been the return of Chantella Pereira. Yeah, um, last weekend in Montague, she played her best game since returning. She's been really impressive for me so far. Um, obviously, she's you know coming back from having given birth. Not that first couple of games were more in that better for the run category, but against Montague, against Casey and Montague, she showed I'm still really good at football here. Like I may be one of the more mature players on the list. I may have just had a child, but I can still really, really play footy. And there were a few moments that took me back to the 2018 VFLW Grand Final when I'm sitting in the stands at Marvel Stadium with my brother, watching Chantella Pereira absolutely dominate. Well, they and always say, I was going to say, Liam, you know, they, they yeah. always say that class is permanent. Yeah, and it shows. And Nadia Von Berto is another one who really reminds me of Chantella Pereira. Like, there's a, she's someone I've talked about a lot and have, and I think a few other people have noticed that I'm quite fond of the way she plays. She's reminds me a lot of Chantella Pereira from that 2018 VFLW Grand Final, which I might actually rewatch that over the weekend if I get time because that was a good game. I like that game. Lots of uh, lots of positives coming out of the Box Hill VFLW at the present time, which is wonderful. And that brings us to the end of this mini episode. So in terms of our socials, if you jump onto Twitter and Instagram at HFC Saw, or if you jump onto Facebook at Soaring to New Heights, please make sure to like and follow for all our updates. In terms of VFLW updates, these are not done. So the socials still have lots and loads of things that are going to be put up. Uh, Liam does his live tweets and his video recaps from each and every game. It's also five talk- minutes guys, those videos. So they're nice and short if you want to quickly check what happened in a game. Absolutely. Also a Talking Hawks article uh, that Liam wrote about the first five rounds of the VFLW uh, in collaboration with Daz, who did the VFL coverage of that one we'll start ramping up as soon as the season starts to get closer so please make sure to stay tuned because if you want to hear anything about uh, female footy in brown and gold soaring to new heights is your one stop shop for that also please make sure to like us on your favorite podcast provider whether it's apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify the works if you give us a like and subscribe and click that little bell button it means that you'll be alerted Anytime that the Soaring to New Heights content is dropped, which means that way you won't miss out on anything when it comes to women's footy in terms of the brown and gold. In terms of Talking Hawks, where Liam and I apply a bit of our trade in our spare time, plenty more content coming about the men's and the women's player ratings, reviews of last week. We've got player interviews, the work. So if you haven't gone over to Talking Hawks yet, please make sure you do. Uh, In terms of anything else, I think Liam, I can't guarantee this, but I think that you might find Talking Hawks down at the next double header, which I believe is coming up soon. I think there's a, another double header that's coming up uh, shortly. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly when I know that. I know there's a VFLW game on the 13th. That's the next VFLW game. Is the 13th. A few hours before the Melbourne AFL men's game, by the way, guys. So um, you can do both of them. But I will, I'll check the double header, and we can get that out on the socials later. Once we, when we put this episode out, we can um, mention when the next double header is as well. Well, I can tell you when it is. It's going to be the twentieth of May, uh, and that's when Box Hill Men's are taking on the South Pork Sharks, uh, and they're the curtain raiser. 
before the Box Hill women's team uh, take on Carlton at 3.15pm at the City Oval. Yep, it should be a decent game, actually, that one. So so that will be probably the next one that will be covered. So you'll hopefully during the day hear some little tidbits on our socials from some of the players. Yep. All right, and that brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you're enjoying the content. We hope that you're excited as we are about the upcoming AFLW season, which preseason begins in 27 days. And until next time, go the Hawks.